Welcome to Macliato, the Harry Potter podcast where we fill your ears to prevent you from hearing nearby conversations. I'm Josh. And I'm Blake, and today's series Black gives us a good recipe for cooking rats as we continue our journey through Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire and come now to the 27th chapter, Padfoot Returns. So... All of a sudden, Sirius is back, and we discover that he's been living off rats. And Josh, I just want to say, when you are your in your sort of animagus form of, say, a dog, clearly, you know, things open up to you a bit more of like that you're able to eat things like rats. That means like if you turn into a frog, would you love to eat flies? Like, mm. how does how do you think that works? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. I I wasn't convinced Sirius was loving the fact that he was eating rats. Based no, on, probably uh, not. <laughs> based on how quickly he devoured the chicken, but maybe maybe able to uh, stomach it probably a lot better. Um, mm. as, as you were reading the open, Blake, I, I kept thinking that Sirius is going to show up with a little recipe card that has like you know, rats three ways with like boil them. Yeah, nice rat <laughs> stew. Them. I mean, rat who doesn't stew, love a, yeah. who doesn't love a good rat stew? But, but it's a great question. I mean, it's one of those things that, you know, sounds like a silly question, but really does get into the fact of just how, how much transfers over from your human persona into, into the animagus form. And I don't know if we have a great answer for that. So we have to kind of take these clues that, you know, he's eating rats, not loving rats. How does this all yeah, work? Yeah, like, like is, is Professor McGonagall, you know, she goes, oh, tuna sandwich, not really my favorite. So she turns yeah. into a cat right. and then all of a yeah. sudden her taste buds change to enjoy a good bit of tuna. And it's a um, symphony and, yeah. of, you know, deliciousness. Yeah, that's good. Anyway, what happened in this chapter, Josh? Ron is enjoying his newfound celebrity after spending time underneath the Hogwarts lake. As interest from other students increases, his story grows until he tells people about how he battled the people himself. The windy March weather delays Harry's letter from Sirius, but just before the Hogsmeade weekend, his letter arrives with news that his godfather would meet him in the village. Before potions class, Pansy Parkinson gives Hermione a copy of Witch Weekly. Inside is a lengthy article about the supposed love triangle between Harry, Hermione, and Victor Crumb. According to Rita Skeeter, Hermione left Harry for the Bulgarian seeker, leaving Harry heartbroken. Once in the dungeon, Hermione tries to take a further look at the article. Seeing this, Snape begins to read the article aloud, pausing long enough for the Slytherin laughs. After the article is over, Snape separates the trio and places Harry right next to his desk. Here, he accuses Harry of stealing boomslang skin and gillyweed from his private stores. Harry denies it, but Snape threatens him with Veritaserum, a powerful truth potion. Igor Karkaroff disturbs class and tries to get an audience with Snape. Karkaroff is agitated and shows Snape something on his forearm. Snape brushes him aside and says they can discuss it later. When Saturday finally comes, the trio journey into Hogsmeade with Harry under the invisibility cloak to visit Sirius. They fill him in on all that has happened at Hogwarts and within the tournament. Sirius is especially interested in the disappearance of Barty Crouch. He informs them about Crouch's past, his ruthless persecution of Death Eaters, and his eventual imprisonment of his own son. Sirius guesses that perhaps Crouch wants to regain popularity through the capture of one last dark wizard which may explain his trip to Hogwarts one night, even while he remained absent from the events. They discuss the possibility of Snape as a Death Eater, but Sirius is not willing to commit to the idea. Finally, Sirius asks them to keep him in the loop regarding Crouch, Bertha Jorkins, and the tournament. Snuffles leaves and heads back to the village disguised as the big black dog. Don't you just love Ron and his uh, ability to retell a story? 
you know, so accurately and, uh, you know, to paint him in such a great light. Like it just, it's a, it's a pretty good skill that Ron has. Uh, and, uh, and I think he pulls it out every once in a while, uh, but it seems uh, that he's humbled He's humbled at this time uh, to uh, to remember that uh, I don't think he played too much of a a part down there in the lake, but he likes the attention. Yeah, yeah. Hermione has a pretty good line where where she says that the only um, the only thing you would have done to the mer people is scare them off by your snoring or something like that, right? <laughs> Very, very humbling. Uh, a very humbling thing. But uh, no, it's quite a, it's quite a cool chapter. Uh, this one that we actually get so many different little bits and pieces throughout. Um, from obviously our experience with uh, Sirius and uh, he, he being back, which is very exciting for Harry because you know that's his, uh, his kind of almost closest family. Um, but also the interaction with Snape and Harry and Karkaroff, like in the dungeon, the uh, mm. in potions, and that's a very, uh, and we'll you know we'll speak to that a little bit later. That but that is uh, a very nice little part of this chapter uh, because we learn a few more things and uh, maybe the stakes get raised a bit. Uh, but what do we see when we look at the overall chapter, Josh? When we look at theme, yeah, well, this this chapter is a bit tricky because it it has pretty distinct settings, some, some different um, plot uh, twists. And so it's not, it's not as easy, I think in this chapter as it is in other chapters, but mm. um, one, one way to look at it would be looking at uh, the two ideas of fame and humiliation. So with, with the case of Ron, he has uh, gotten himself some fame just by being in the lake. Um, but he's also started to humiliate himself by uh, exaggerating his, his grandeur and uh, it's uh, it's not looking so good for him. He's uh, I think people are going to eventually find out the truth, and uh, and it's, it's he's going to lose his audience quickly. For Hermione, obviously, experiences fame with the Witch Weekly magazine. Obviously, I've never read it, Blake. Um, and and this fame is directly tied to her humiliation. And then when it comes to Sirius, I'm using that word just a little bit differently. Sirius is not um, is not embarrassed in that sense of humiliation, but he has really been lowered. Um, he's he's disguised as a dog almost. Yes. Constantly, he's eating rats, and he's just in this really humble state compared to some of the other things we've looked at. So, um, fame and humiliation. Fame and humiliation. I like that about Sirius. They're like that. It's, it's humiliation, but like it's being humbled in a, in a different different way, right? Um, you're you're lowering yourself to the point where you're eating rats. And uh, as we mentioned before, whether that's a good thing, whether he likes that, um, or clearly he really likes chicken. Uh, and so part of me thinks that even as a dog, he has standards. And uh, but he wants to go by Snuffles. And I just wonder where did Snuffles come from, Josh? Because that just seems like why didn't he just go by Padfoot. Why don't they just talk about him in regards to, to Padfoot rather than Snuffles? Mm. Yeah, I don't know. I, I may, maybe he's uh, he's really taking it to that next level of uh, uh, a code name for his nickname. Yeah, so Snuffles Snuffles it is, but there's a, a few little things that we learn about him. Obviously, overall, we, we love to see that, like, you know, he is Harry's godfather, is trying to protect him, um, is coming back because he, he senses that there's something going on at Hogwarts and he wants to be close, uh, which is which is awesome. But also uh, how uh, the, the the part that I, I thought brought in that I don't think we've learned before is that how uh, Sirius Black went to Azkaban without a trial. Um, so mm, there was no yeah. trial. He was essentially just sent straight there, which is almost like this shortcut around justice 
you know, being fully maybe completed of uh, of someone actually having a trial among their peers and and then being you know sentenced to uh, to jail. So uh, it's it's interesting in that way. Yeah, and, and and like this is something we've we've seen. I wouldn't say over and over again, but on an alarmingly regular basis that the wizarding world, not too concerned with democracy, not too concerned with uh, laws, not too concerned with justice sometimes. And, uh, and Sirius Black is, is kind of like the poster child for that. Yeah. 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 There's, it's like the law is good until it gets in our way and then yeah. we'll just step over it, you know, which is very, very shady ground, you know, murky waters or whatever. But I think that like, you know, you're, you're not far from that to becoming like, well, what, what is the just, you know, what is the Death Eaters form of justice? It seems similar that they just take matters into their own hands. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, there's been times of war and, you know, with, with this sort of great wizard war type thing uh, between uh, Voldemort and his Death Eaters and uh, uh, obviously the Ministry of Magic and, and uh, others. And, you know, there, there are some things done that you go, Oof, okay, you know, do war times actually justify that? But it's quite an intense issue to to look into. We also see Josh that you know Sirius Black is trying to work out all the little little ins and outs, uh, trying to piece this puzzle together. And Harry's giving him information, but he's trying to kind of work out what's going on in the castle. And he, mm. you know, he gives Harry, Ron, and Hermione like a little bit of information as well about some of the players in the game, but. Other than that, my biggest takeaway from this uh, that I always is always I'm, I'm always surprised by is that when Harry mentions uh, Kakarov and Snape talking to each other in in, uh, in the potions class and showing each other something on their forearms or you know lifting their sleeves up or whatever that he doesn't know the Death Eaters mark. Like I I just feel like it's more of a public mark, but really it is this kind of hidden thing among the death eaters yeah i'm i definitely made a note of that as well blake and i think that is such an interesting thing that um you know that when when we think about uh, how how this works and and what the the wizarding community knows it seems like such a secret and yet yeah it 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 just especially if you've read the books already you're like of course everybody knows this who who wouldn't know this but yeah um, yeah i was i was struck by that as well no one knows what this is not even serious yeah and you know that that encounter between snape and karkaroff like karkaroff is feeling like pretty worried about this situation Mm. um yeah and he's getting fearful and so the the seed is being planted so that when it comes to the time where you know saying karkaroff has fled uh, and it gets to that graveyard scene, you know, and, and not everybody's coming back to Lord Voldemort, you know, and Voldemort saying, you know, some will be punished and things like that. It's like Karkaroff is one of them. He's fled because he's given over too much. Like, I don't think Lord Voldemort would keep him alive if he returns. Yeah. So he's gone. But this this sort of set, sets the stage for that. And uh, and obviously we see then, you know, he's showing the dark mark kind of off camera as such um, and uh, off page. <laughs> I mean, that might be the be the better term. Uh, so off page, and you know, we we see that that's what is happening in that exchange. Is like, see, it's getting darker. It's getting darker, yeah. you know, and and it's coming back. And so uh, interesting in it in, in of itself. Um, but that little interaction is quite nice. As Harry's just sort of like, oh, I'm just cleaning up my stuff, you know, yeah, like that was and, great. And, that was great. Hanging, hanging around. But maybe <laughs> one of the biggest ones, Josh, is the Harry Snape encounter where. You know, Snape is kind of 
accusing Harry, uh, semi rightly, um, in stealing ingredients. Obviously, it wasn't him, but he did use the gillyweed. And that's not so much as the important part that I kind of want to bring out, but the boomslang skin being the thing that was taken. And uh, and that's obviously used for polyjuice potion. But like JK specifically reminds us through Harry's kind of like internal dialogue or through the kind of the narration that this is used for polyjuice potion. And if we really yeah. think about it, Snape's talking about, hey, this has been taken right now this year. And, uh, you know, yeah, not he, he never mentions, you know, two and a half yeah, years ago or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. And so that's what Harry might be thinking, um, being like, you're still accusing me of that way back then, even though it was Hermione and it was kind of true that I, I took it as well. Mm-hmm. But like, that's the fact that, no, it's happening this year. So if we really think about it, someone in this castle must be brewing polyjuice potion. And and it's just a tiny little detail. Like this sort of stuff is the, the reason why I think like J.K. Rowling's writing is just awesome because it's like, she slipped this in through this conversation and dialogue when technically it didn't need to be there, but yeah, just amazing. Yeah, no, it's a great point, Blake. And I think that one of the things that obviously should alert us to is, okay, who, who in the castle is needing polyjuice potion? And, and we really don't know. And, you know, obviously polyjuice potion, I think it kind of makes three, three great appearances, you know, obviously with chamber of secrets and then with this book and Mad-Eye Moody, and then finally probably the, least talked about one would be with Draco Malfoy and, and Crabbe and Goyle, where Polyjuice is kind of a year-long mystery. And then, of course, it has different uh, applications throughout the book. But but this is such a, a significant part of how to disguise yourself in in the in the wizarding world. It seems. Yeah, yeah, and and a pretty fun one. Like I feel like you could have a lot mm. of fun with this and with with your mates, and um, you know, there's some some good sort of pranking that could happen uh, with this uh, with this, but it can be misused, and so I'm assuming that's why it's probably almost very maybe regulated, and who can buy it, and and you know, these ingredients must be hard to come by as well because it seems like a difficult potion. But maybe briefly, I'll just jump over to say another world building element um, that we see, but Veritas Serum, uh, as Snape mm. mentions that to Harry, and, and kind of. Exposing so a truth potion, um, and uh, he does mention that the use of that potion is controlled by very strict ministry guidelines. So I imagine that would be almost like what polyjuice potion is as well. And uh, it must there must be a list somewhere of these potions that are, are really restrictive, and you've got to be real careful with using them. And there's guidelines to it. Um, but veritaserum is something that we see in this chapter. And and really, like that is, I guess, in some small way, uh, a bit of a foreshadowing because I think it's the first time in the books that we hear of veritaserum, and it's later in this books that the truth potion will play a important role in the testimony i guess before he dies of barty crouch jr yes and it's interesting that snape has it on him in his possession because when it comes back to it later on he has it in his possession and i just wonder if it's that something he keeps like maybe a certain amount of potions or you know anti-venoms or those types of things on him at all times because he is a potions master and um Mm. you know uh, that's a valuable one to have so you know maybe there's a little bit of felix felicious or whatever it is on there in his coat as well or something but it seems like he does have uh, this on hand so when it when it comes time to instant action uh, with Barty Crouch Jr. later on in the book which we'll see he's got it on him um, and so definitely a little bit of kind of like set up uh, for that payoff late, later on we also get mentioned a few like Death Eaters uh, through the retelling yeah, of a bit kind of, of all in uh, a row yeah, 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 through a bit of history. So the Lestranges, which that name will, will come back, and that's probably the most popular uh, among 
among this uh, grouping, but Rosier and Wilkes and Avery as well. So just some some names thrown in there, um, and uh, and some that sort of skirted around uh, the justice a little bit and got and you know kind of wormed their way out. Some that went to prison and and things like that. Some uh, some that died, um, and so we uh, slowly get released. You know this this is essentially where uh, the Death Eaters come back and Voldemort returns. And so it's it's kind of a cool way to bring back the feeling of like, hey, there are these people out there that support Voldemort and um, and some are sort of still in the shadows. Yeah, and, and it was really interesting to hear about, you know, these are the people that Snape hung around with. Right? That was kind of the what we're told and, and we don't really know exactly what what that would have meant and, and how that would have looked like. But we also see that these are people that Sirius would have known. Yeah, exactly. It's weird to think like that these could have been your mates and then all of a mm-hmm. sudden you see them go into prison or they're running around with that Voldemort guy and he's getting worse and worse. And often, you know, maybe it started out as like your friends with Tom Riddle or something like that, but it got worse and worse and you kind of went down the rabbit hole with him. Um, and yeah, that would be really interesting of a a dynamic with friends you knew from school. Not only do we learn this a little bit about Snape's background and some of these Death Eaters, but we also see, um, as we've talked a little bit about before, the the tasty interaction between uh, Harry and Snape. And once again, I think the the key takeaway from here, we've talked about the the potion, but the key takeaway in their relationship is the fact that when it comes time to really discipline Hermione, it's Harry who actually gets in more trouble and gets brought to the front of the class um, yeah. and just shows Snape's absolute hatred of the poor kid. Yeah, it's it's just ruthless because like someone does something wrong, but then they maybe glance at Harry in the potions class and then all of a sudden Snape has an excuse to be like, and Harry, you must have been a part of this. So I'm going to yes. you know, take yeah, off points. Exactly. I'm going to give you a detention. I'm going to get you up at the front of the class testing this potion out. And so... Yeah, Snape, Snape is a bit ruthless. So um, I feel like this is quite interesting of a chapter because we we get a lot of heavy stuff about um, yeah. almost almost like you know these these Death Eaters, these like people associated. Yeah, no, kind of Death Eaters like where you got Karkarov, you've got Snape, and you've got Sirius Black, who is a was assumed to be a Death Eater. He he isn't, but like it's just an interesting chapter where we get a lot of that kind of concentration. But yeah. Bartini's Crouch Blake also uh, we learn a bit more about him today this is a bit of a uh, little mini biography of of the famous wizard uh, given to us by Snape uh, we, we learn that he was powerfully magical we learn that he was a high-ranking ministry official we learn that he was um, kind of um, selected as a likely candidate to become minister for magic one day and yet um, he kind of had a bit of a tragic fall where um, he, he continued in his um, intense prosecution, not persecution, although maybe the line was blurred, intense mm. prosecution of Death Eaters, and even showed no mercy, didn't excuse himself from the trial, did nothing of the sort when his son came up for his trial. And we're certainly led to think that maybe the evidence against his son wasn't quite as strong as it should have been. But yeah. I don't think so. I think I think it was a and kind of another case of just being like you're associated with it. Off to Azkaban yeah. you go. So yeah. pretty pretty savage, pretty ruthless, especially when it comes to your own your own son. But he really did mm-hmm. want to distinguish himself that like and say you know I'm I'm not part of that. I will have none of that. Um, and so it's a, a good way to wreck a relationship. Regarding foreshadowing, Blake, some of the things we've talked about um, as far as um, a Polyjuice potion being a, a bit of a 
a foreshadowing element, Veritaserum foreshadowing, although we'll talk more about those later on, mm. kind of more so just, just hints and clues at this point. But but a real foreshadowing, which we, we don't know much about if you're reading this for the first time, is the dark mark. Uh, we've seen the dark mark in the sky, but it seems like no one outside of the Death Eaters at this point knows about the dark mark on someone's arm. No, this is a pretty well-kept secret. Yeah. And, you know, the abilities of it seems to kind of be, you know, we later see that it can summon the people, like it can be a, a warning sign or a, an alert, kind of like a phone being like, rrr, 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 you know, I mean, like, hey, c- yeah. come to me now, <laughs> operated to separate, you know, so it's kind of like a phone, but just interesting in that regard. But something that identifies, you know, a, a brother to another brother of a, you know, Death Eater. But I just, um, mm-hmm. I wonder, you know, when they shake hands, do both their dark marks, um, you know, kind of almost vibrate like a phone or like um, it kind of bring a bit of pain or something? Like, is that how that works? So you can almost like identify each other as a, you know, Lord Voldemort supporter. Like that would be a really interesting kind of thing to see how that all works out. Or, you know, or do you just, because that's almost like the dark mark is like almost Voldemort's inner circle maybe. Is it like you're just aware of everybody else who is a Death Eater? Mm. Yeah. Yeah, that's a great point because it definitely is is hinted that there isn't, like it, it seems like, I can't remember exactly where it said Blake, but it seems like it said somewhere that no one knew the total list. Yes. Yeah. 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 Some, yeah, some might've known like the others, I'm but remembering. Yeah. 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 Something along that. I, I remember the same thing. There are some people that, you know, might know more. There'll be some people yeah. that yeah. are almost like more like tools and will be used for a specific purpose in a specific place. And they won't really have much connection with others. Um, and, uh, and they don't, you know, it's not like they have group meetings where they all come to these Voldemort rallies and uh, meet each other f- with coffee and biscuits, you know? So um, <laughs> even though that would be an interesting thing to, uh, to see, um, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, probably a bit Perfect. different, but sig- significance wise, I mean like this, this chapter, we've, we've got a few great moments in here. And I think what we've talked about, some of these key relationships that we see where, you know, Snape and Karkaroff, that incident, very significant, the Snape and Harry moment and a little bit of that, that foreshadowing and some of those hints, very uh, key. But I think uh, mainly that interaction that Snape has trying to deduce and work out what's going on, you know, the, the stakes are getting uh, raised and, um, you know, things are getting a little bit more intense. And so we really do come to this climactic finish of, you know, this last task being like, well, this is the last chance for Harry to be, you know, killed by whoever's out to get him. And then something Mm. happens and we, and we, and we get into that. Thanks for listening to today's episode to support the podcast and keep the magic alive. You can leave a rating and review on Apple podcasts. You can also support us financially at www.buymeacoffee.com forward slash muffleyautopod. And to send us questions on our Instagram, email or website, muffleyautopodcast.com. To continue the adventure, join us next time as we discuss the 28th chapter of Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire, The Madness of Mr. Crouch.